So over the past several weeks, we've been looking at stories of people meeting Jesus. We've been looking at, at people encountering him, experiencing life change, and, and going on to lead others into that as well. We've talked about how God has designed our families as the primary way that we meet Jesus. I mean, how many of you can, can think back to as you were growing up and on Sunday mornings, there was a special breakfast prepared by your mom or your grandmom, and you can almost even smell it right now. I mean, for me, it was cinnamon rolls. Sunday mornings, I would be getting ready, which would consist of me jumping out of bed and putting on some clothes that smelled clean, and then running out to the kitchen. Notice there wasn't much washing going on. Uh, but that was what I did. I'd get out of the kitchen, and there were cinnamon rolls sitting on the kitchen table. I can almost smell those cinnamon rolls right now. And then we'd eat together as a family on Sunday morning. Sometimes my dad would go early to usher at church. Sometimes my mom would have to go early for choir practice. But most of the time we'd eat together and then we'd get in the car and go to church together. Because my family, my parents, thought it was important enough to invite me into a relationship with Jesus too. My parents, my family were the primary place that I met Jesus. And I don't know, for many of you, that was the same. We've also talked about how God sends people into our lives at just the right moment to teach us about him or to share the good news that God loves us. And so we've talked about how there are Sunday school teachers out there that made an eternal impact on us by letting us use glue and glitter and make messes of things. But somehow that helped us to know God's story, and it shaped our lives. For some of us, it's friends who came up and, and told us about how Jesus had changed their lives, and it has brought us to a place where we believe in Jesus also. God sends others in our lives to impact us. Paul called those people ambassadors. Just as our nation sends a representative to other nations to, to be our voice to them, God sends people to us, ambassadors to us, to represent God in our lives. And that is a beautiful thing. Last week, we looked at Jesus and how he meets us, because it's good that we have family, it's good that we have these ambassadors, but at some point, Jesus wants to meet us personally. And he wants to, to show us his love and change us from the inside out. And we looked at that process last week with the disciples meeting Jesus. Today, I want us to look at a new story of someone meeting Jesus. This is the last one we'll look at. Next week, we'll be looking at different things, but today we're going to look at a new story of someone who met Jesus, but the story didn't end with meeting Jesus. It didn't end with happily ever after. It ended by going on into something else. Let me set it up this way. By the way, the, the story we're going to look at is in John chapter 4. So if you want to find that in your Bibles or pull up a Bible app on your phone and follow along, John chapter 4 is where we're going to look in just a moment. But I want to set it up by asking you some what-if questions. What if there was a, a restaurant out there that was pretty amazing? There's a restaurant out there that when you went to it, they served you like you were family. They welcomed you by name. The ambiance was amazing. 
it, it, the music playing in the background was just the right kind of music for the setting and the things on the walls, the decorations and the flowers on the table, it was just perfect. And then when you got your food, it was so succulent and moist and just the right kind of food and it just filled you up and you left thinking, this is amazing. What if that restaurant was out there but nobody ever got told about it? Wouldn't that be sad? I mean, I'd almost consider it criminal if you visited a restaurant like that and didn't tell me about it. So, what if? What if, what if there was a medicine out there that was doing amazing things for people who were sick? And, and this isn't just some Chinese gecko gland rumor thing out there. I'm talking about a medicine that's actually been tested, gone through the FDA process, and, and has been used by doctors for years, and, is, and it's doing an amazing thing. What if there was this great medicine out there, but there was someone who was sick and never heard about that medicine? Wouldn't that be a shame that they never heard about it? One more what if. What, what if there was a what if there was a person out there that, that people could meet that loved them like they were family, that welcomed them in? It, this person was royalty, but instead of treating them like servants, welcomed them in as, as a brother or a sister. What if there was someone out there who could heal the deepest wounds and fill the deepest longings of our souls, but people never heard about this person? Wouldn't that be a shame? Well, today's story, when we look at this person who's going to encounter Jesus, the story doesn't end with her meeting Jesus, but it goes on so that that what if that never happens, that what if is actually filled and carried out and others are told. And this is an amazing thing. In fact, we would think that this person would be famous, but in fact, we don't even know the woman's name in the story, who she is. In fact, we often call her the woman at the well because we don't, we're not even told her name. But she has an amazing impact on others because she meets Jesus. We've read this story this past year uh, during Lent, in fact. We, we read the story of this woman at the well meeting Jesus, and she comes in the middle of the day to get water from the well. This is not the normal time to get water. This was the heat of the day. Nobody else was out there at that point, so we, we can surmise that something is going on, that she's somehow an outcast, somehow on the outskirts of society. Something's not the same with her as it is with everybody else. And so she comes apart from everyone to get water. And when she arrives, Jesus is sitting at this well. Now, she doesn't know who Jesus is. All she knows is this is a Jewish man, and she is a Samaritan woman. Jesus is different than me. In fact, we're enemies. He looks different. He talks differently. We don't like each other. But as she approaches the well, Jesus engages her in conversation in a very beautiful way. He starts with water, which is what she's obviously coming for, physical water, because she's thirsty. And he starts talking about how he can quench her thirst and give her living water, something that would quench her thirst over and over again that she would never want for the deepest longings of her heart anymore. 
Somehow Jesus goes from that very physical thing to something happening internally in her. And then she asks questions of him, and he goes on to tell her things about this woman's life that he should not know. Things like you have had multiple husbands, and you're living with a man right now who's not your husband. This woman is blown away. How, how do you know this about me? And then he goes on to have more conversations about worship, and she talks about this coming Messiah, this longed-for person who would set things right in the world, and Jesus finally tells her, I am the Messiah. You are in his presence. And something happens in this woman's life. In that moment, there's a change. It's as if something clicked. And so that's where we're going to pick up in this story. John chapter 4, and we're going to start in verse 27. Just then his disciples returned. Now this is important. The disciples had gone on into town, in the town of Sychar, and they're there getting food. Jesus is out by the well. The townspeople are in town. The disciples are in town. The woman comes out. And now the disciples returned, and they were surprised to find him talking with a woman. They were surprised that Jesus would be talking with not only a woman, but a Samaritan woman. Of course, Jesus does surprising things a lot, and so we find that no one asked, what do you want, or why are you talking with her? They were surprised, but they kept it in because we've seen Jesus do this sort of thing before, so he's up to something. Verse 28 says, then leaving her water jar, leaving her water jar. What an interesting detail John gives us there. We're not told what that means. I think it could mean one of two things. Remember, she came seeking water, and Jesus talks about how he will quench her deepest longings and thirst, and it seems almost as if this is a symbol that the woman is leaving behind. Of I'm coming back to this person because he's where I'm going to find what I need for my deepest thirsts in life. It could also just be a simple detail that John gives us to let us know this woman's coming back. She's not leaving Jesus because she's upset. She's not leaving Jesus because she thinks I'm done with him. She's going to come back to him in a moment, but she is on a mission. Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, Come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and made their way toward him. Skip down to verse 39. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two more days. And because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, We no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this man really is the Savior of the world. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. The woman at the well meets Jesus. But that's not the end of the story. The story goes on with her on a mission, with her returning to town to do two things, to invest and to invite. This woman returns to the town to which there is obvious tension between her and the townspeople. 
She lives there, but there's some sort of separation between her and the people. There's a tension. There's, there's an unrightness. And yet, this is the place where she is invested. This is the place where she has grown up, where people taught her, helped her out in times of need, even if there is an obvious tension. And she has not left them. She could have gone to another town or sought out family elsewhere, but instead she stayed where she was invested. And now she returns to the town that she's invested in. Think about the people who have invested in you, your family, your family who has prayed for you, your family who has sacrificed for you and, and struggled to help you know Jesus. I mean, people who have done amazing things in the day-to-day -day life. I, for me, it's my grandma that I think of really clearly in this. I would go to my grandma's house and visit her for the weekend, or I'd spend the night, and without fail, my grandma would have, every morning at about 9 o'clock, tea time with God. She would go into the kitchen and get her mug of hot tea, warm it up, mix it just right with all her sugar and everything that she would put in it, and she would go into her little sitting room, take her Bible in her upper room, and she would sit down, drink her hot tea, read Bible, read the upper room devotion, and pray to God. And on those days when I would go to visit her, and I'd spend the night, she didn't change her schedule and routine. Instead, she would invite me to come and sit in there with her. Most of the time, I didn't have a Bible or an upper room to read. I would just sit there and watch her and listen to her. And she didn't even pray out loud, so I was listening to nothing. But, but she, was, she was sitting there praying and reading scripture, and, and I saw something important there. I saw something that made an impact on me. That daily, my grandma, who I thought was one of the wisest people and most loving, would spend time with God, and that has impacted me to want to do the same in my life. You've got people who've done that, who have invested in you in many different ways. There are people that God has sent into our life who have invested in us, those people who prayed for us when we were little hellions, and those people who risked themselves to come and tell us that Jesus loves us, those who didn't give in to the fear, but instead were bold and said, look, I want to tell you about Jesus who's changed my life people who sacrifice so that could happen. There, there are so many people in our lives who have invested in us. And of course, there's God. God who invested in us in the most real and powerful way. God who could have been above it all, but yet thought something of us enough to send his son to encounter the sufferings and sorrows of this world, to give his very life for us. What an investment in us God has made. And he continues to call us over and over again. You know, an investment is not something that happens randomly. An investment is something that you do regularly, intentionally for a future return, right? I mean, if you're, if you're wanting to build up your savings, you don't wait for that special day when the heavens align and the bank calls you up and says, Hey, we haven't seen your checks in a while, your deposits in a while, but the bank stars are all in a line today, and if you would just deposit it all, then you'll get an immediate return. 
That's not the way an investment works, is it? We make regular, intentional deposits for a future return. It may seem small and simple in the moment. It may seem frustrating. We might ask, is this making a difference? Or, or maybe I should give my time and energy resources to something else right now. But if we want to invest in something important, we do it regularly and intentionally. The question for us, I believe, is if we have met Jesus, if we've been changed by him, how will we invest in others? God's invested in us. People have invested in us. Our family has invested in us. How are we going to invest in others? Because if we invest in others at the right time, it will give us an opportunity to invite people to Jesus. This is what the woman did. She returned to her community where she was invested, where she had grown up, where she day after day was a part of this community. And she returned to invite them to this, this man who had changed her life in a mere conversation. And she did it by saying some interesting things. It was, it was pretty simple. She said, come see. That was the, the breadth of her invitation Come see. Come see this man who has done something in me. Come see this man who knew everything about me. Come see this. There's something special about him. In his presence, I was different. In fact, I was in his presence in the middle of the day when everybody else had rejected me. When I was by myself, there was Jesus. Come see him. Because there's something about him that I found you. You come see him. And then she goes on to just give a little more description. And she says, he told me everything I've ever done. This is her testimony, her witness. This is her story. Jesus saw things. He had an insight that was beyond sight. He shouldn't have known it, but he did. And he didn't cast me away. He didn't point at me and say, you are condemned. Instead, he kept talking to me and talked about being the Messiah, the one who was going to set things right. He, he knew things about me. Wow. And then she says, could he be the Messiah? Notice she, she's not an expert. She's not a religious scholar. She's not a rabbi that understands all the, these things. All she knows is this Jesus has done something in me. Come see. I don't have it all figured out. I don't know all the answers. All I know is, I think you should meet him. Invite. Wouldn't it have been a shame? Wouldn't it have been sad? Wouldn't it have been almost criminal if this woman at the well had done what the disciples did? Do you remember them, the disciples, the ones who followed Jesus from place to place, who were in training to be his Disciples carry out his mission on earth. The disciples were in the same town that this woman went back to. And it says earlier in chapter 4, they went there to get food. They saw the same people. They had conversations along the way. And yet there was no invitation to come see Jesus. Those who saw day in and day out the amazing things that Jesus has done, those who had been changed by Jesus themselves, that had been following him for a time, 
somehow were desensitized to who Jesus is. And there wasn't an invitation. But this woman goes back, come and see. Somehow, we need to regain what this woman had. Because I've got to be honest. I find myself more like the disciples all too often than this woman. This isn't to degrade the disciples or, or to put me down or anybody else who might identify with the disciples in this way. This is to say that sometimes we're fearful. Remember, the disciples are Jewish, and they're in the midst of a Samaritan town. There is hostility there. And so maybe they were fearful and trying to get the food they needed but get out of town as quickly as possible so there wouldn't be any confrontations. Maybe, maybe they were just afraid to speak. I'll be honest and say I'm afraid at times. Tell others, come see Jesus. Fear is a powerful thing in our lives. Maybe it was just the busyness of life. These disciples have left Jesus for a time, but maybe Jesus wants to move on, and so we've got to hurry up and get back to Jesus. We've got to get on with our daily life. We've got to get on with our work, which is getting to Jesus and listening to him. Maybe it was just busyness that, that carried the disciples through without an invitation come see for me a lot of times it's I'm busy I've got meetings to go to I've got a sermon to write I've I've got to go and meet with this person and, and so the busyness crowds out the chances that I could see to invite people to Jesus I don't know if you're like me or not but at the end of this this worship service I want to give you something that might help you as that I've found that is helping me to change that kind of attitude. It's a simple, practical tool. I'll give it to you in just a few moments. But first, I want you to see what happens when people are invited to Jesus. Because when there's an urgency, when, there, when there's a reason and a purpose for someone to invite another to Jesus, something happens. A discovery is not complete until it's shared. And a story is not a story until it's told. Jesus invites us to take part in bringing people to him. Wouldn't it be a shame if we missed out on that? Wouldn't it be a shame if there were people who never heard the good news of Jesus? Wouldn't it be a shame if, if there were some people who needed to know that Jesus was for them and not against them yet they never heard. Paul reflects this in a question, in a series of questions he asks in Romans chapter 10. He says, but how can people call for help if they don't know who to trust? And how can they know who to trust if they haven't heard of the one who can be trusted? And how can they hear if nobody tells them? Wouldn't it be wonderful if somebody would share that invitation with others? Maybe that's why in the very next verse, Paul says in Romans chapter 10, How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. How beautiful are the feet. I mean, the, the feet, that's the grossest part of anybody's body, right? Especially for people in Jesus' day. They walked around in sandals and got dirt and mud and dung on their feet. How beautiful are the feet? Yes. When somebody tells you about someone who could change your life, who cares about you deeply, who has the power 
to make you better and different than you were yesterday? How, yes, how beautiful are the feet, because they brought you to them. What if we got to be those people? The woman at the well, she had beautiful feet. She went back to the town of Sychar, and the town came out to Jesus because she invited them. Come see. I don't have it all figured out, but he told me everything about me. Come see, because he kept talking with me. Come see. Is he the Messiah? I don't, I don't really know, but he's changed me. Come see. And the town came out, and they found that Jesus, there was something about him, and they had invited him to stay for two more days, and it says, many believed. It doesn't say all. Not every person that we invite to Jesus is going to immediately have their life changed in a powerful, dramatic way, but many will. For many, you, this woman at the well, and others who carry the good news will have beautiful feet. We may not be able to save everyone, but we can invite everyone. Because watch what happens in the story. A woman invites people out, and then Jesus starts ministering to the people. Our job is not to save people. Our job is to invite people. Jesus is the one who changes lives. Jesus is the one who saves people, who brings them from fear to faith and from anger to joy, from, from destruction to life. Jesus is the one. All we have to do is say, come see. Come see. Many believed. So here's what I want to give you, a, a tool to use to make this possible, to make it more practical and maybe even real in our lives. It's something that I've begun using lately. In your bulletin, there is a little card, paper clipped inside, and it looks like this. And on it, it says, invest and invite. And I want you to take this card, and, and I want you to make it yours. And so on the back side, you'll see that it says, the following is a list of three people I am attempting to invest in and invite to Homerville United Methodist Church. And so there are three blanks there, one, two, three. And I'd love for you to write down the names of three people who are unchurched, three people that you know need to be invited to hear about Jesus. Write down those names, and then I want you to invest in them and invite them. Invest. Spend time with them. Listen to them. Pray for them daily. Take them out to eat. Work with them. Do whatever it takes to invest in them, not just as a means to an end, but because God invested in us and every person. He sees value in every person. We should, too, invest in because they're worth it. And then if you invest in people, there will be an opportunity for you to invite them to Jesus. Invite them to church. To invite them. So I want you to go ahead and write three names down. In a moment, we sing. That's a great opportunity. You could, instead of singing the first verse, everybody else will be singing, so they're not looking at you. Just write down three names. People who are unchurched. And then when you've done that, put this in your wallet. Put it in your pocket, your, your purse, somewhere that you're going to see it daily. Pray for this, these people, these persons. Pray for them daily. Pray that God will give you courage to invite when it's the right time. Invest and invite. I've begun doing this. You can ask me about it. Ask me how I'm doing, if I am actually doing what I've said I'm going to do. Because here's the big 
reason why? What if one day, those three people on your list, what if one day, maybe it's a child, maybe it's a coworker, maybe it's a friend, what if one day those people told their story about meeting Jesus? That would be wonderful and amazing just by itself, but, but what if that one day when they start to tell their story, your name is told in the midst of it? We don't believe in Jesus just because of you, woman at the well. And they would have used her name because they knew it. We don't believe just because of you, but because we have met Jesus personally. What if you were named in the story? I don't know about you, but that would be so, it would be humbling, it would be joyful, it would be excitement that Jesus would see me as someone who could be used in this way. Someone who had something to give to another person because he's given to me. What if someone down the road was able to say, you made a difference in my life. You invested in me and you invited me to Jesus and, and Jesus has changed me. That would be so joyful. I want us to be able to say that. I want us to be able to look down the road and know that we are investing and inviting people to Jesus. And so I want to pray for you. I want to pray for me because I need it. And then we're going to sing an amazing song that reflects the need for this. So would you bow your heads and let's pray together. Jesus, you have done amazing things. You have changed lives. You have saved us. You have brought us away from destruction and given us joy. You brought us from fear to faith. Jesus, there's so many things that you have done. We don't want to keep it to ourselves. We know how good you are and, and how much others need you. And God, there are people around us, every single person here knows somebody who needs to be invited to meet you. God, that can be humbling, it can be fear-inducing, at times it can be exciting. Would you walk with us on this journey? Would you supply our every need as we are called to be a part of inviting people to meet you? Would you give us the courage to daily invest through prayer, relationship building in others so that at the right moment we can invite? We pray that you would be a part of it. We can't do it alone. It's not all about us. We thank you that we get to play a part in your story being spread across this earth and across this community. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.